0: Now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka, and I wanted to welcome you to episode number 89 of ADHD for Smartass Women. You know, I get so many emails and direct messages from young women with ADHD who have told me that the podcast has changed their life. This has really made me want to have more young women on our podcast because the younger we start to see our ADHD brains for the brilliant brains that they are, the better. And I think a lot of 20-year-olds will ask to be admitted into the group, ADHD for Smartass Women. We have a Facebook group as well, and they will call their diagnoses a late-in-life diagnoses. You know, in their early 20s, they already feel like they're so behind and they've lost so much time, and it just isn't true. They're babies. They have so much time. And so I want them to hear stories about other women and from other women that are just like them and what their journey looked like. So in this episode, I am going to introduce you to 23-year-old Jade Lacane. Jade is from the UK and was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 22. She struggled through school, was always behind her classmates academically, but since childhood she had a dream, and her dream was to attend college in the United States. And guess what? She did just that and graduated in 2019 with a bachelor's in international studies. Jade is currently back in the UK studying nutrition and fitness, which she uses as a way to manage her symptoms. She believes that mental and physical health are intrinsically linked and looks forward to having her own business in the field very soon. Now, Jade found me on Instagram. She sent me an article that she had written for Attitude Magazine called, I Believed I Was Fundamentally Flawed. In fact, the blemish was on society. And I'm going to post the link to her article in the show notes. Welcome, Jade. Did I get all that right? Yes. I did. And I wanted to say happy birthday because you turned 23 yesterday. Thank
1: you. Yes, I did.
0: Happy, happy birthday. So, Jade. Can we start with you telling me what were the circumstances around your ADHD diagnosis? Like, how did it come about?
1: Yeah, of course. So growing up, I had always suffered with anxiety pretty badly, Um, probably not overtly, but definitely it had stopped me from doing things like when I was a kid now I look back with my diagnosis I'm like oh my gosh I don't know how it was missed but like I would never stay over at friends houses for sleepovers even though I really wanted to I just for some reason I could never be quite independent and do that I was always very anxious I was always very scared of doing things I always seemed to be very intelligent in my work as well at school I remember when I was think I was in nursery reception, which is, I think it's, it's preschool uh, in the US. And I could recite Jack and the Beanstalk, the story like word for word, but for some reason, my grades just, I could never get, get grades. And my professors, even at university, you know, said to me, I don't understand you're one of my best students, but you seem to be stuck on about a 2.5
0: GPA. And I, I never really knew why either. Can I ask you, Jade, On the anxiety, do you remember when that started? I'm just curious if you feel like you always had it or was there kind of a marker and from then on out, you sort of remember that it showed up?
1: Always, 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 always. I remember, I always remember as well. And this, this was throughout primary, secondary school, sorry, like elementary, middle school, high school (laughs) um, for listeners in the US. But throughout, I was always that kind of like funny kid. I would make people laugh and people liked me but I never had good relationships up until my last two years of school. Um, So it would be the 12th grade and the 11th grade in the US. I I never could make those proper relationships because of how bad my anxiety was. And I just, I didn't understand it. Yeah. And then nothing seemed to work for me. I went to the doctor. No one in my school seemed to, can i Ever breakthrough, I think. It just kind of seemed, oh, she's just that kid that always daydreams. You know, she's just that kid that doesn't quite put in enough effort if you just tried a bit harder.
0: Did they put you on medication for anxiety?
1: No. No, they didn't. Um I went to CBT, I went to uh which is cognitive behavioral therapy, I went to all sorts and just I could never seem to kind of push past it. And then when I graduated from university in the US, and I came back, I decided to start therapy. And I tried counseling once when I was 16. It just didn't work for me. I don't know what it was. not now looking back, I think it was because I wasn't ready to kind of accept the way I was and, and realize how much it was affecting my life. I think as you become an adult, it becomes more prevalent the ADHD. I think maybe more so with women because we don't as much get the kind of hyperactive, disruptive part as kids. So it's cited as nothing's wrong with us. But as we grow older and we get more and more administration in our lives, just like day to day, it becomes more prevalent and we get more stressed. So I decided to start therapy again once I graduated. And my therapist said to me, I think it was about the third time I'd been to her. She was like,
0: how old were you at this point?
1: 22. 22. This was December last year. And um, she said to me, have you ever been tested for ADHD? And I was like, sorry. And she was like, yeah, I was just curious because um, there's certain things you're telling me. And I was like, no, I never have. And she said, oh, I think it, it might be worth you going to your doctor and getting a test. So I did. And he said to me, it was a doctor I'd had since I was a kid and had always, we'd never got this breakthrough anxiety treatment. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've never thought of this. So I went and I went to the psychiatrist and I got the diagnosis. And yeah, um, ever since kind of my whole life seems to have made sense.
0: So can I ask you, what was the diagnosis? Were you hyperactive, inattentive or combined type? I'm combined. Okay. So it sounds like you struggled with school you always knew you were smart, but you just had problems making the grades. And then on the social end, you really didn't struggle socially with relationships. It was more that people wanted to be your friend, but you just didn't feel comfortable, you know, showing up as a friend, like, you know, spending the night, going places, that sort of thing, like what most girls do, right? Yeah. Yeah, completely.
1: I always remember my psychiatrist, it honestly, sticking my brain for the rest of my life, The first thing he said to me when he sat me down for the day I got diagnosed, he said, have you always felt like you were different to other people? And I was like, yes. And he was like, it's because you are, your brain works differently. And he put it in such a way that it was, it was very kind the way he said it as well. And I always remember thinking that that was my whole life. My whole life I'd said to my parents, I feel as though there's something not quite right, but I don't know what it is.
0: And Jade, that is something that is a common thread that I think goes through everybody's thoughts, you know, who has an ADHD brain. I think we all think that, like we always feel different and not necessarily different bad, just different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, completely. Like you said, it was people wanted to be my friend and it's not I didn't want friends, but there was something that just like the middle part, I just, I almost couldn't. Connect it, you know, it's like I I knew I wanted friends. I could see the beginning. I could see at the end they wanted to be my friend, but the middle was just a gray blur.
0: (laughs) So, you know, in high school, did you do no activities with other kids or was it very limited? Like, what did you feel comfortable doing?
1: I had a group of friends, definitely. And I would just kind of hang out with them at school, though. I never really often met people outside of school. And then when I got to about the 11th grade, I got much better with it started to make friends and then my my final couple of years were fine at school but I really feel like I didn't properly grow until I went to the US and I kind of had to force myself to be independent that's when I felt like it kind of clicked and then since my diagnosis I've probably felt like oh right there's people like me as well like just on your group and stuff you know seeing people that have the same struggles it gives you a lot of confidence that I feel like is taken away from you. And I never understood that that confidence was taken away from me. And I therefore didn't know it was within me the whole time, if that makes any sense. Like, I remember reading that by the age of 12, kids with ADHD have over 10,000 more negative comments put in their 20, way.
0: 20,000.
1: 20,000. 20,000. Yes. Yeah. than a neurotypical. And just knowing that within myself, like knowing there is nothing wrong with me, it's just society isn't built for people with ADHD brains as much. And don't get me wrong, there's sometimes where, you know, I'll get too frustrated and I'll, I'll snap a lot quicker than other people, but I hold myself accountable for that. But also knowing that it isn't you, there's ways to work with it.
0: So Jade, were you chastised? you know, as a child in school by teachers, or was it more that you were kind of beating yourself up? Because it sounds like you were a very easy child. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you weren't climbing up the walls and creating problems, or maybe you were.
1: Um, No, I, all over my school reports, it says, great student, very smart, great student, very smart, never does homework, isn't organized, 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 organized. That's all over Mm. it. If you read back on my reports, I wasn't like a badly behaved kid by any means. I think the anxiety actually stopped that. Yeah. Which is, yeah, a bit of a a kind of weird kind of paradox with that. But I think I tried so hard to be like other kids that I didn't want to act out, if that makes any sense, which is kind of sad. But I think reflecting upon that, is when you get diagnosed or if, but even pre-diagnosis if you're somebody who's waiting for one, you seem to almost go through, for me anyway, an identity crisis once you have been diagnosed because it seems like you thought your whole life you knew who you were and why you did things. And, you know, you. I was just always like somebody who lost their temper a bit quicker. Like never outwardly, it was never like, oh, she's scary, angry. But in my head, I'd be a lot more snappy and I'd have to take a second or I emotionally struggled connecting with people especially kind of family relationships and stuff like closer relationships
0: where you can get away with it. Right. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think, yeah, that identity crisis is quite hard. It's the best thing, but it's also very difficult because as a 22 year old, like you said in the beginning, in your twenties, it's, it's difficult. That's something that's obviously very much helped me the diagnosis, but I'm not taking away from the fact that I thought my whole life I knew why I was a certain way in why I did things, but yeah, but I think it's hard as well when you feel as though kind of every established institution has let you down, you know, like school and then I wouldn't say my university let me down as such, but it's a shame that it wasn't spotted and then kind of, you know, like people around you don't see it. And then the doctors, uh, like my doctor never saw it. That's
0: kind of difficult to digest sometimes. It really is isn't it, yeah, so what about your family? What was your family like? Were they very supportive? yeah, when
1: I mentioned it at first, I think they were a bit like, what you don't have a d h d like it was it was a thing as well like a h d a d a d h d what what is that <laughs> <laughs> I think it's um obviously like my parents' generation know a lot less about mental health through no fault of their own anyway. But once I kind of explained it to them, they were like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And then once I got my diagnosis and they kind of read about it, they were like, wow, your whole life makes sense. (laughs) And I think that the age I am now, I think women in their twenties currently kind of were on the cusp of, it wasn't so much of a thing that was looked out for in schools. Absolutely. Yeah, I think in my age group, there'll be a bigger spike in uh, late diagnosis compared to maybe children that are in school now. Yeah.
0: I absolutely agree. And that is so harmful because girls internalize their ADHD versus boys externalize it. So what that means is girls tend to be then as young adults and older, you know, older adults as women, they start having all kinds of problems with anxiety and depression because of their untreated ADHD. So, yeah. Now, you said something that was really interesting, and I've always felt this, too. I think that a bit of anxiety can be a savior because, like you, I was always very cognizant of what the rules were. So my friends would go out and do crazy things, and my son tells me he feels the same way. My son has ADHD as well. You know, you're you're almost like the adult that you can see down the road what will happen if you make this stupid decision that all your friends are making. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I often feel that, you know, a little bit of anxiety is maybe not a bad thing when it comes to, you know, the hyperactive part of ADHD.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. It's strange though because I find also sometimes even though you have that anxiety, the impulsivity comes out sometimes, and you'll do something. You're like, "Oh my gosh, whoa, 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 like I can't believe I just did that," you know. And that's that's sometimes like a coin occurrence, like something that can seem impulsive to you might not be to somebody who doesn't have ADHD. And then your anxiety kind of kicks in. you be like, "Oh my gosh, can't believe I just did that," but kind of yeah, it again, and again and again, you're like, <laughs> you know. But no, I definitely do agree with that. You seem to be people I've met who have ADHD as well, almost like hyper aware. And I find that you, I'm not taking away from anybody else who is also very self-aware, but I find people with ADHD seem to be super self-aware a bit younger. And I don't know if that is just because you're aware of your behaviors because they seem abnormal to people around you.
0: Yeah. I think we instinctively, we just know, even if we haven't been diagnosed, right? We just know that there is something else. And I think that that is why we have this need to read all the self-development books and take the programs and the personality tests and really try to figure ourselves out because we know we're different. And in many ways, you know, we're different in a really good way. You know, some things are a little bit more of a struggle. So is there anything else that has changed since you were diagnosed? I think that,
1: I mean, I always, I've always kind of lived by the principle of, I try not to judge myself so I therefore don't judge others that's kind of like I've really tried to live by that for since I was probably like 20 years old I remember reading about kind of of that and it's difficult sometimes (laughs) but I think since my diagnosis I have taken away so much judgment from myself for doing things and I therefore My judgment of others has also gone down a lot and I think it has made me kind of more an empathetic person, a more open-minded person. And that is something, not the open-mindedness part, but empathy is something I've always struggled with and that is my ADHD. I know that for a fact, uh, the emotional like dysregulation part is something that has been the worst part of it for me, which I never knew growing up. I always thought that, I guess I was just like a bit cold. And it was just kind of something I had to work on. But now I really understand it. So I would say, yeah, it has opened up kind of a new empathetic side of me. And connecting with people who have ADHD as well has been really great. And learning about people who have it as well, you know, people who've done really well in life, like Richard Branson, etc. Another thing for me is that I can't remember the exact stat now, but I know that a good portion of people with ADHD are entrepreneurial and that's always been me. I've always known that's what I wanted to do. And since my diagnosis, I have come to realise that long-term office work is just not something I could do for my own sanity and health. It's not just me not liking being in an office. I think that's a good example of how a diagnosis can really help you because you don't just think, oh, well, everyone else can do this. You know, why can't I? Um, It kind of gives you reason behind it. And it almost validates your feelings that have been invalidated your whole life, really. So yeah, I would say that.
0: Absolutely. I mean, once we understand why we do what we do, only then can we start building workarounds and making changes and not putting ourselves in environments where we're just not going to be successful. That makes so much sense to me. So if you could talk a little bit more about what you just alluded to, the fact that I think you alluded to this fact that you felt like you weren't empathetic before because of your emotional dysregulation. Can you talk a little bit more about what do you mean by your emotional dysregulation and what do you mean by that whole kind of statement that you just made?
1: So I kind of found with me, I think you even said before the podcast started, oh, you sound so relaxed. And I'm a very relaxed person. I'm very calm. Um, I remember I told somebody at my work, had adhd and she said to me you don't look like you have adhd you don't seem like you've got adhd you're the most calm person i've ever come across and i was like yeah i know (laughs) and the kind of emotional dysregulation part is i am a very calm and relaxed person but i can also flip to being very anxious and very intolerant and very frustrated very quickly and then i can one minute be so unmotivated like i moved out of my old house a couple of weeks ago and it was like physically painful for me to get up and do the packing. I actually felt like a weight on me to do this packing. I sat on my bed for two hours. I don't even know what I did. I just honestly stared at the ceiling. I eventually got up and did it. Or I can be on the other hand, I can be crazy, crazy motivated. And I, that used to really confuse people, all these different sides of me. And I think that that, that emotion is something I've, I, I've always struggled with as well being so like calm and relaxed, but also struggling to show kind of like affection to people. I think that's always been like a weird thing for me. But then like, like I said, if I'm, I'm I can be quite anxious and I can be quite intolerant of people and need that attention. But if somebody would try to come near me or give it to me, but like, no, no, I don't need it. I don't. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. So I think that's always been like a weird thing for me.
0: And so why do you think that is like, how do you attribute that to your ADHD?'
1: Um, I think just kind of always thinking differently to other people. I think the intolerance part of it I've come to realize the frustration part I think I think me as a person, I am very calm and relaxed. the ADHD in me is it will be little things like, if I have to walk to my car, I won't outwardly, but I would get frustrated because I can I know I'm like in my house. I know I want to be like, for example, at a restaurant, all the in-between bit is just like, I'm just like, oh, I'm so bored just thinking of having to do this, just like an admin part of things, you know, I think that is my ADHD because I can see the end, I can see the beginning, but the in-between is kind of hazy, which I think you can just attribute that to life too.
0: So it's all the boring bits, right? Yeah, that are in between. (laughs) I get it. Say that's my ADHD,
1: definitely. And I would say the women in their twenties who get diagnosed and they get very frustrated. These little things that other people seem so fine with. It would even be things like when I was a kid, not even a kid, but like even in my teenage years. Like if my my family if they went out just for you know like some afternoon tea, I almost I couldn't go because I get so bored just sitting there. Yeah, I'm such a calm and relaxed person, but I couldn't. I just couldn't sit there. I'd be like, "Oh, why?" Not? I, there's so many other things I could be doing in my life right now. Why would I do that? So yeah, I, w- I would. I would say that.
0: Okay, so I'm. I think I'm getting what you're saying. Then, so in that particular situation, your family could say, "Well, she doesn't want to go, so that means she doesn't care about us. She doesn't love us. She does all that, right?" Yeah. Okay that actually does make sense to me. And it has nothing to do with that. It's just that to sit there for three hours or even an hour would yeah. just make you bonkers. Yeah, and
1: they, that's the thing that if people with ADHD even things like planes, for me, for me personally, it just drives me insane because I know I'm in the airport. I know where the country I want to be in and I just have to sit on a plane for that amount of time. And that impatience comes across, you know. And I think in women, I think impatience is a lot more kind of frowned upon than it is in men. Like, obviously it's not a good thing in men, but people kind of just expect women to be patient, have more patience, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, And when you don't, it's quite shocking, I think, to some people.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a huge problem with women. And I think it is why women struggle more with ADHD than men. Part of it is they're not diagnosed. The studies, you know, don't include women or they generally have not included women. And then beyond that, we have all these roles that we're supposed to be neater, and we're supposed to be more organized, and we're supposed to be able to, you know, do all the administrative things, certainly around kids. And some of us really suck at that. I know I do. (laughs) So Jade, how did coming to the United States for college play out? Like, why did you decide to do that? My whole
1: life, I basically, I just... I don't know. When I was a kid, I still got drawings. I used to literally draw the American flag and I'd like draw. I didn't end up going to Hollywood, but I'd draw the Hollywood Hills. And I, I just always had this thing about America, like I was obsessed with American film, TV shows, books, like anything. In fact, when I went to apply to do a degree in the UK, I applied to do American studies. But in the end, I didn't actually end up doing that. I, When I was 18, I took a gap year to work um, at home and I ended up working in finance in an office. I knew it wasn't for me, really didn't like it. Now I now know that was my ADHD, just like couldn't sit in an office, especially at that time. And then I had applied quite late to universities in the US and it was too late to get a scholarship release. My parents said, if you go and do a year in the UK um, and you get a scholarship for your second year, then we'll help you and you can go and I managed to I was very fortunate to get one to the University of Tampa I got a scholarship for academics and then growing up I did motocross as well um competitively in France but I also now doing an extreme sport such as motocross which is what my psychiatrist had asked me do I do any adrenaline things that is my ADHD growing up that's why I wanted to do it everyone you say to me you're a girl why do you do motocross well I now know I was seeking that dopamine
0: Wait, you need to, you need to tell me. So motocross, are you off-roading on a motorcycle? Is that what
1: motocross is? is? Like on, uh, like it's dirt biking, but like on jumps and racing. Um, (laughs) I did it it where I'm from um, in Jersey. And then I did it in France as well. And it was like mixed with boys in the class that I was in. And I did the feminine championship in France. So, yeah.
0: Well, yes, very, very ADHD.
1: Yeah, got a lot of broken bones from it, but it never, never stopped me. And now I know. Wow. (laughs) And the calmness, I'm sure, really helps, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I got my scholarship to uh, University of Tampa. And it was the most life-changing experience because I finally had to be completely independent. I remember my dad dropping me off. I was 19 when I went and... I remember him leaving me standing on the campus and yeah, just turned 19 and I was like, what do I do now? I literally had no family over there. I had no friends, nothing. I couldn't contact him. And yeah, I just kind of went from there. Really. I had some really amazing roommates my first year who were very good to me. I managed to make a couple of amazing, amazing friends I've met quite a few actually amazing, amazing friends I still speak to now, but there is one girl in particular who I met who really did change my life. And she got me started down the route of kind of how herbs can help you uh, with your mental health and how I always knew it because I've been vegan for 10 years, but um, how really the right things can really help manage your mental health food-wise. So that was like a really important part of going for me. And yeah, just the independence behind it. And also, interestingly enough, I'd never really heard of ADHD in the UK. Obviously, I knew it was a thing, but I didn't know one person in the UK who had it. I went to Mm -hmm. the US. So many people had it that I knew. So that was an education on ADHD as well. I think it's something in the UK which definitely needs to be worked
0: on. I also have this theory that Only people with ADHD are going to leave their families, get on some rickety boat, travel, you know, halfway across the world to who knows what and say, I'm here, right? (laughs) I think we're a nation of immigrants. And so we're a nation of people with ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. So was your first year then a really good positive year? Or did you do that typical ADHD struggle as far as first year in college?
1: That's so funny you say that. I actually hated it. (laughs) (laughs) And it was horrible because... My whole life, I'd wanted to do this. This was my, like everything I'd wanted to do it. And I got there and I had, I, th- I think that year was the worst anxiety I'd ever had. I obviously had the homesickness. Like I mentioned in the beginning, I couldn't stay at friends' houses. Why I thought I could go and stay in another country. <laughs> I know, but I did, but I just dealt with it. Honestly, I just, I had to. Um, I wouldn't say it was the healthiest thing to do. And I'm not sure why I would, recommend it. But at the same time, if I hadn't persevered as much as I had, I wouldn't have had the amazing, amazing experience I'd had in my senior year.
0: How was school that first year? Awful. So you (laughs) Um, were struggling?
1: Yes. I think I I remember, I actually remember my college algebra class. I came back from it after my first exam and my roommate was like, oh, what'd you get? And I was like, oh, I got like, I think I got like 40 something. I was like, I did all right. And her her jaw almost hit the floor. She was like, how did you do so bad in college algebra? And I was like, wait, what? And I didn't realize the US grading system was obviously so different. But I think I came out my junior year, which was like my second year because I only did three years total because my first year in the UK had added up to like Mm -hmm. two years in the US. So my first year in the US, I think my GPA was like a 2.4. It was bad. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, obviously once, once it's down, it's hard to get up. Right. Yeah. Were you studying? Yeah. Yeah. I struggled. Like my first semester, it was like, the, it was um, writing 101 and college algebra and like the basic, basic biology class. And I can't remember the last one, but it was all basic classes that everybody had to kind of take for the general um, baccalaureate. And I struggled so badly and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how much I was struggling. So in answer to your question, the first year wasn't what I thought it would be.
0: (laughs) So were you always, even during that period, thinking, okay, why are my grades so bad? I know I'm smart. Was that always your thought pattern? Completely. Yeah, completely.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd been smart enough to get the scholarship there and I was in a good university in the UK. Um, My A-levels were were okay. So yeah, I I didn't really get it. I mean, I guess I just thought it was just me disliking the experience But I think my head was just so confused. I couldn't really think straight. And I guess it was my ADHD symptoms in in every sense. Yeah. And it was also the lack of routine I had. Obviously, I went there and I didn't know that I was somebody who, even though I hit completely still now, I hate routine, I hate structure. It's so boring. If I don't have it, I don't function. If I don't get up and write my to-do list and I separate it every morning. I have to have the date at the top. Have my micro things for the day, and then my macro that have to get done that day. And if the mic- I don't do the micro things, it doesn't matter so much. But the macro things must be done. I had nothing like that. I was—it's the college life, you know. I would get up one o'clock some days if I'd been out the night before, and some days I had an eight a.m. class. So it was—it was no structure. And if I'd have known I needed that, I think I'd have done a lot better. But my head—my head was just constantly like a grey scribble. I just couldn't make sense of anything. But never mind, you know the new time zone, the new accents, the new education system. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's so typical, right? We just fight structure at every turn, yet it is the (laughs) thing that we need most. Yep. So what happened then your second year and then your third year, it sounds like you pulled it out. So was second year better than first? Yeah. So I was actually
1: only in the US um, for my junior and my senior year because, yeah, my first year had added up to two years equivalent of US college. So my second year, which was my last year, I just had a breakthrough. I just thought I've done this much. I've come this far. I I need to enjoy this. And I had the the best time and my GPA went up. I think it was a 3.6 in my last semester. Um, And I think I also attribute that to doing, it was obviously my um, electives So I was doing what I enjoy and look how much better I did when I wasn't doing courses I was forced to do. So that's kind of, like I said, I could take that into life in general as well. But yeah.
0: Absolutely. So it wasn't just interest. It was also that you were having the best year, all of that positive emotion, and that's where we thrive. So it just makes perfect sense. And that's a perfect example. So thank you for sharing it. So why did you decide to write the article that you wrote for Attitude Magazine? How did that come about?
1: So I used it as a resource, pre-diagnosis and then post-diagnosis, because like I said, I went through a bit of an identity crisis, I would say. I wasn't like a crisis. I was like, oh my gosh, who am I? Like blah, blah, blah. But it's just weird. It's weird when you walk out of that psychiatrist appointment, knowing you've got something with your brain that biologically isn't the same as other people, but you never knew about it. And like I said, there isn't a lot of people in the UK, as much as the US who you can talk to. And luckily my roommate actually in my first year in the US, she had ADHD and I called her straight away and she spoke to me and it was great, but there isn't much out there, especially for girls, especially. And I just kind of wanted to make it more known ADHD and girls. It's something I'm so passionate about now because I know what a breakthrough this diagnosis has been for me. And I've had a couple of people actually approach me and say, I think I might have ADHD. And I've been like, go get a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, even, I know some people don't want that, but if I can even point people in the right direction, if I help one person with that article, it was hundred percent worth it.
0: No, it's beautifully written and I will make sure to link it And, you know, as I said at the beginning, I just think it's so important, this education piece, especially for young women, because the quicker we can get them, the easier life is, right? There are a number of women who, you know, get diagnosed in their mid 50s, even their 60s. And it's harder, I think, because then so much of life has been lived, you know, with those ADHD symptoms, not knowing it was ADHD. And so we beat ourselves up and make it about character and, you know, Everybody else can do it. There must be something wrong with us. So, yes, it makes so much sense. So, Jade, what are the ADHD traits that you feel are responsible for your success? You've touched on them a bit. I would say motivation, definitely. Explain that, though, because most people would say, oh, if you have ADHD, you're, you know, you struggle with motivation. Yeah,
1: it's weird. I'm either like a tornado, like pew, 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 pew
0: i got so much motivation or
1: like I said, I just can't even get up thinking about like putting on my washing. Um, (laughs) I think if I hadn't had that motivation, I wouldn't have gone to the US. I wouldn't have done something like motocross. I wouldn't be as passionate about getting people to know about ADHD and how I think it's it's so missed. Um, So I would definitely say motivation
0: is one of them. Is that kind of like hyper-focus to you, that when you're in something, you are in it 100%? Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, when I okay. know I'm going to do something, I'm going to do
1: it. It doesn't It doesn't matter what I'm, I'm going to do. It. The road is so hard. It's so bumpy in between because I don't really know the ins and outs, but I know I'm going to do it. I would also say the way I kind of like think differently as well, which I think most people with ADHD do. You kind of just see things in a different perspective to other people. Like we said before, you think you're different, but you're not really sure why. And I think that thinking differently about things, just about every situation, can really help, especially with things like, you know, if you're you're entrepreneurial, I think that can really help thinking more logically than emotionally sometimes. So yeah, I would say those two things.
0: Okay. And... What would you say then is the key to living successfully with ADHD? What has been your key? I would say
1: acceptance, definitely acceptance. And I would also say knowing what works for you. Like for me personally, I know you touched on that. I'm studying nutrition and health. Um, Knowing that if I eat badly on a day, it's not going to send me you know, completely like round the bend or anything like that. But if, if my diet starts to get quite poor, I know my symptoms get worse because I can't think straight. My If my body isn't well, my mind isn't well, personally. Exercise as well is something for me that's like super, super important. Um, It just kind of gets up that kind of like, ah, like energy first thing in the morning. It just helps me focus my mm-hmm. mind definitely. Gets all that kind of like sleepy kind of like energy and helps me start my day. And yeah, I would also also say, it's a bit of a strange one to say, I guess, but accountability, because I think that, you know, if you, for an example, knowing the way you are, but accepting it whilst trying to change it, but also not beating yourself up. So if you're like late to your friend's birthday, for example, not showing up and being like, oh, sorry, you know, like it was my ADHD being like, I'm sorry I was late. I know I need to work on it. I will be better next time. And kind of holding yourself accountable when the bad sides of it come out and working on it and being kind to yourself at the same time is very important because I think a lot of us are very hard on ourselves pre-diagnosis. You just think, oh, I'm late again. Oh, what is wrong with me? I can't believe I'm doing this again. I would say being kinder to yourself is a big thing in managing it.
0: Yeah. So Jade, are you on medication or have you tried medication? I have
1: tried it. I'm currently not on it, no, Um, just because I feel like I can manage my symptoms with different supplements and stuff like that. Um, For Mm -hmm. example, um, there's an amazing herb called valerian root, and I have like valerian Mm -hmm. root drops that help me with anxiety if I feel it, and that's just completely natural. But when I have taken medication, it it does work up to a point, but then I find that like I just get... A tolerance for it, and I just kind of go numb.
0: Does it increase your anxiety?
1: Yes, it's it yeah, definitely. It's strange because it's like it's fine the whole day. For example, if I will take like Vyvanse, which is the thirteen-hour one, it's fine for the whole day-ish. But one little thing that would, would I would flare my anxiety up if I wasn't on it, and I could be like, "No, it's fine. Like, it's fine. Like, it, it like and just forget about it. It just doesn't go away almost, or I have like the Vivance crash which happens almost every time and it's yeah just such bad anxiety from that so yeah yeah, yeah. for me it's not whether it. as well like I said somebody who needs nutrition to kind of make their head work properly the side effect of it making you not so hungry isn't very good either for me personally so yeah
0: yeah I can relate to that and I I do think medication does seem to be harder or less successful for those of us with anxiety. There's just and it makes sense and especially if we're talking stimulant medication, you know. But kudos for you that you were able to figure out, you know, other workarounds that do work. So, I think that's I think that's brilliant. So, what is your number one ADHD workaround besides exercise?
1: Writing it down. If I have a lot of thoughts in my mind, I'll do something called a brain like, I call it like a brain dump and I'll let you just set a timer on my phone for like say seven minutes just for example depending how much I think uh, kind of like matter is in there and I would just write down everything I'm feeling and then I will shut the journal and that's it I don't go back to it you know maybe once at the end of every month it'd be interesting to flick through it but I don't really reread it I just kind of get my thoughts out and that seems to empty my mind because I think Although I really do try with meditation, it can be very hard for people with ADHD, and I think that's a good way to. It's almost an ADHD meditation, just getting it all out and clearing your mind for that space.
0: Yeah, that that really works for me too, and it's almost like that is what will reduce anxiety for me because when I have all those thoughts and all these things, and they're all, I liken it to like a big plate of spaghetti, and I don't know where it starts and where it stops, <laughs> and it's all gemished in there. I can't even think about okay, what's the first thing I need to do? So like you, if I just throw it all up on a piece of paper, then at least I can go through and I can circle or highlight the important stuff and make some, you know, rhyme or reason of it, like what needs to be done first, second, third. So exactly. I I think that's a brilliant strategy and a brilliant ADHD workaround. So Jade, thank you so much for your time. And would you share where people can find you if they want to connect? Yes. Yeah, so I actually have a account where I post
1: my nutrition, wellness kind of things, and it is Instagram. It is at Jade Eats Fit. Jade Eats Fit. That's J-A-D-E-E-A-T-S-F-I-T. Yeah.
0: Great. Right. And what I will do is I will make sure that that is in our show notes as well. So thank you, Jade. Thank you so much. So that's what we have for you for this week. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. If you like this episode with Jade, please let us know by leaving us a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their brilliant ADHD brains work so that they too can discover their amazing strengths. And you know what? Your reviews really do help in that regard. One more thing, if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and leave me an audio message or reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for smart ass women podcast. where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.